All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. My name is Mike Dice. I'm Elias. Writes for Flow Combat and the UG, Fansided and Sports Illustrated. We are happy to talk all things MMA with you. First of all, we have, I'm going to mess up her name, so why don't you introduce her? Yeah, I'll try not to mess it up. When we worked before, I have actually messed it up. I think it's Sinisa Estrada. Sinisa Superbad Estrada. She, she's fought twice this summer already. Um, she was 2015's Ring Magazine Prospect of the Year. She was just named uh, Fighter of the Month by Ring Magazine. She's one of the top prospects in all of boxing. She just moved to 10-0, hoping to fight again in September. Um, she's phenomenal. We've done some work with her in the past, some stories. She's on the, sh- she's on the show. Miss Estrada, happy to have her on. And Mike Santiago. Yeah, yeah. So people that, that are... Um, don't follow like the you know the the local scene or some of the very very top feeder leagues in MMA like RFA you may not have heard of Mike, uh, but Mike uh, Santiago fights out of uh, Team Top Notch here in the Chicago area I think near Elmhurst Illinois a suburb of Chicago and uh, he just got a big fight he's on an eight fight winning streak uh, but he hasn't fought since I think June of 2016 Mike he's been when we uh, when when I went in uh, spent some time with Ricardo Lamas for a Flow Combat story before his last fight. We were in the gym with Mike, trained with him. He was desperate to get another fight. It had been so long. He got his fight, not just any fight. It's on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. It is fight week for Mike Santiago. He's fighting uh, this coming Tuesday, less than a week away, and he's going to make some time to jump on the show as well. Awesome. Uh, It's going to be an interesting show. We have Miss Estrada calling in at 2.30, then we'll talk to Mr. Santiago after that. But there's been a lot to talk about in the UFC uh, the past week, we didn't do an episode last week because right. we're in this weird dead period of MMA, uh, and there's not necessarily a whole lot going on. All attention seems to be focused on Mayweather McGregor, but some things have happened, so let's run down the list. The big notable thing today, of course, is the 8-ounce gloves. Mm-hmm. The Nevada State Athletic Commission uh, approved the request from both Mayweather and McGregor, though I think it was actually Mayweather who submitted the request, and McGregor didn't object. His mm-hmm. camp didn't object, I think, technically if you want to get into the legalese of it all. Um, so they will be fighting with eight-ounce gloves. First of all, I don't know, for those of you who don't really follow Nevada State Athletic Commission, this should not come as a surprise at all. Um, did you watch the, the proceedings? I didn't. No, I didn't. It's funny. I'm actually working on an investigative story involving the commission. I was had my head in that uh, the last week or two, and I didn't have time to watch these actual proceedings, so I missed it. Was it entertaining? Uh, it was basically, I think, what you expect out of these things if yeah. you've watched them before. They cited a rule that's uh, 10, 11 years old um, that stipulated different weight, why the gloves mm-hmm. were for different weight classes. And the, they were supposed to do a scientific study to back up the decision for those <laughs> rules when it happened. And they never got around to doing it. And that's one of the reasoning that they routinely cited in using um, – in. in granting this exemption for this fight was that they had never followed through with a study. So uh, one of the things they wanted was to keep the gloves. They said they would return it, return them after, but they wanted to keep the gloves, both the ones they wore and prototypes um, for the fight so that they could do a study uh, 11 years late. Um, But one of the things that I thought (laughs) was study the gloves, not the brain. (laughs) Good Lord. Anyway, go on. I mean, and they they had a lot of rules about the gloves. Um, They wanted to make sure that they used the same brands. Of course, sure. The team. Sometimes that happens. Right. Because they they want to make sure the padding's the same for both. Are they going to use the same? No. Brands now or no? Mayweather's uh, camp was like, well, I don't think that's possible because we, they have different endorsement deals, Mm -hmm. but they, we will, me and Leonard Ellaby and whoever will try, will strive to, um, make sure the gloves are as identical as possible despite being made from other brands. Well, uh, that's, that's a whole other topic. But <laughs> what I thought was really interesting that they brought... They're telling the regulators what, what they'll do. Yeah, what I thought was also really interesting in the, in this, um, the lead-up for this 
or, or well, one of the commissioners brought this up and it never had dawned on me mm-hmm. until he brought it up. And I feel like an idiot for this is that <laughs> they mention that there's not a weight glove stipulation f- or how many ounces a glove should be stipulation for weight classes for MMA. No. If you're a heavyweight fighting at 265 pounds, right, you're right. wearing four ounce gloves. And if you're a featherweight, if you're a straw weight right. fighting at 115 pounds, you're wearing four ounce gloves. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting that they've never considered adjusting based on weight class. Yeah, it, it is interesting. The sizes and the, the, of the gloves can be much different. You know, it's, it's funny because it's definitely like a surprising thing. But then again, we also don't know in any way how or why it would impact anything. Like, you know, like we just don't. Um, because we, I think what most, it might surprise most listeners to hear that. And, and, and then it might surprise them because they're thinking, hey, you know, the big, bigger guys can, can hit harder. We need to protect the head. Well, gloves don't protect the head ever. Gloves can, can help mitigate uh, superficial, like, facial cuts and things like that. But the, the drying impact on the brain from being rattled around, uh, there's, there's nothing that's ever been shown that's mitigated by a larger glove. If that were the case, you, we would have a lot less uh, incidences of, of brain trauma for the, in boxing over MMA. So super, uh, it, it is interesting. The gloves do get bigger. You're right, Mike, but they don't necessarily get, they're not mandated to get heavier. And also, to me, that's fine, by the way. Let's not make rules based on science we don't have and assumptions we, you know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with that. But yeah, it, it is interesting to think about. So much of what we have, as you, you just, great examples there with, with this boxing match coming up and then in MMA with the UFC, are just examples of the promoters regulate themselves. There aren't there are there are there are so many many holes in which we'd be surprised to realize how little actual regulation there is, how little like detailed procedure and process is mandated, and it's just kind of the promoters doing doing what they'd like. Which is interesting because promoters already have a huge impact on and the the regulations that are that are made. Uh, the, a lot of times, the real central um, like power figures and and drivers of any type of of, of move. So. Yeah, it, it it is super interesting to think about it. I I I would be surprised though if we got like a real precise scale if Brock Lesnar's like XXXXXL gloves that are bigger than Ronda Rousey's gloves if they're not actually heavier. We know right. they don't have to be, but I I'd be surprised if they're not. I don't know how things work. Like you would think they would have to be you, you just think because so. the Sears the the size the, like the even, volume, yeah. Even the padding to go across the knuckles. You would need different like would just be it would you'd have to make it thinner, yeah, to keep the weight to keep the same. it down, right? Yeah, or different material. So if it's or consistent, you think between be the gloves, it would automatically be heavier, and you that might be the case. So. Yeah, right. We 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 should uh, we should grab some gloves like that and, and start weighing them. Yeah, so, and then I don't know what we do with that, but we, we should just do go it. to the Target across the street. And, uh, <laughs> they have the official ones. St- yeah, well, I'm sure they have like the UFC or the, that's the, true. They have Everlast or whatever. That's but, right. They probably don't have Brock size though. Yeah, definitely not Brock size. You probably have to special order those. That's right. Uh, they probably only make those every now and then. Yeah. Um, anyways, that was an interesting discussion. The, the, the exemption's been granted. There's a lot of discussion about whether this favors either fighter. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm under the impression that it doesn't really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Like you could make an argument that it favors each fighter, mm. in which case it's just null and void. Mm. What do you think? I, I think it, it can very easily, glove size can have an impact in the fight. I don't know. I don't have a hard prediction of how it, it may affect this fight. There's going to be less coverage uh, area, and I think a lot, the conventional wisdom or assumption might have been that Floyd would have preferred having 
more coverage because he's such a defensive fighter and he's going to tuck his chin, use the shoulder, and use the gloves when he can for, for coverage. Um, but I'm, I guess maybe Floyd's camp, Floyd Jr.'s camp, is looking to exploit Conor McGregor's defensive holes by giving him even less space. Um, of course, McGregor is used to fighting very small gloves. He's not used to boxing with them. He's not used to boxing a professional boxer with smaller gloves. And his chin is up a lot. His hands are down a lot. Um, he relies on a lot of speed. So, uh, you know, I, I, I would say if I had to guess, Mike, I, I would think less defensive coverage available from gloves is going to favor uh, or is going to work against the less technical boxer. And the less technical boxer, the less skilled boxer, the less experienced boxers by, I don't know, factors of 20 is clearly Conor McGregor. I don't think there's many things that could help Conor McGregor in this fight unless they made it kickboxing or MMA. But, yeah, I don't know how it'll affect it. It's interesting to think about, though. It's not about, like, power of the punch. It's, a, it's more about coverage, in my view. Right. And, and I think that was, that was one of the things that Mayweather's camp said is that it's about, like, they made the case that it was um, May, Mayweather wanted the change for defensive reasons, mm. which I thought was kind of interesting. You would think that would be counterintuitive yeah, based right. on, like, logic right. uh, for somebody. But, you know, either way, it's been granted, and... You know, I, I think the whole big thing is this has just been a marketing ploy. It's just been another reason to like keep the conversation going, this thing going. That's probably that could very and, well be true, man. That and makes just a lot so of sense. Mayweather can say like, I made, I had rules exempted to come and meet McGregor closer right. to his turf. But yeah, that makes sense. He's fought an eight ounce gloves before, so yeah. it's not exactly like he knows how to do it. Unfamiliar territory for him. Yeah, nothing's gonna be unfamiliar in there for for Floyd Mayweather on on fight night. It will be a lot of unfamiliar stuff for Conor McGregor. All right, well, I think that's enough Mayweather-McGregor talk. We'll get enough of that next week before we inundate you. Though I did want to take this moment to tease, and I'm sure Flow Combat has some uh, stuff coming out that I'm fan-sided. Uh, tomorrow we are unveiling our preview. It's nice. going to be a really cool template unlike anything we've ever done for MMA. It's similar to templates we've used for um, things like our Game of Thrones preview and our uh, Winter is Coming website. Um, we used it recently on fanside.com for the soccer preview. So it, it'll be cool, but a little bit, a little bit scaled down just because there's not as much, many moving parts um, in a fight between two people. But uh, yeah, so look forward to that. Nice. I can't wait to see that. You guys have a preview coming? Uh, I'm sure we do. I don't know exactly what Dwayne has coming down the pipe for this. I know we have been, we have a, an ongoing series of talking to, to striking coaches, expert strikers to, to, to look at the fight. I've got my own coming out hopefully soon. Um, uh, we haven't nailed on the interview yet, so I won't say who I'm supposed to be talking to, but looking at McGregor, uh, McGregor um, Mayweather through the lens of, of expert coaches that work with both boxers and MMA fighters in boxing. So we got that coming out. Uh, I'm sure they got something else. I'm sure they'll be doing a lot of uh, fight night uh, coverage. So, yeah, by all means, switch back and forth <laughs> between fans and SI and, and Flow Combat. We'll have a lot of good stuff. But, yeah, that sounds really cool. I can't wait to see that. Uh, that preview, um, it, it sounds like it'll be pretty neat visually too. It is. Uh, we got a cool logo that I just saw for the first time yesterday. I cool. Excited about. I get excited by those little things. Yeah, that stuff matters. You know. Um, anyways, getting back to the rest of the world of MMA because there's a lot going on. Uh, big news this week: Bellator signed Frank Mir. Initial yeah. reactions when you saw that? Uh, <laughs> it's better than him fighting in Chechnya with under that that dictator that he likes to hang out with, and so True. many MMA fighters like to hang out with. If you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, most people don't, um, but that's a whole other story. We should probably take some time. We could try to have Mir on. We could have, there's, um, I'm going to mispronounce his name, there's a fine reporter that's done most of the reporting on this stuff. Uh, we could maybe have him as a guest. But, uh, yeah, I think that's Korean. cool. 
I think it's cool. You know, if you know how to pronounce his name, say it, uh, I don't know how to say it. But I think uh, that's how you pronounce his first name. Kareem. I, I mean, I've only ever like interacted only with him in the it. digital space. I've never spoken, so, yeah. spoken with him. Yeah, it's, but there's he's a, a good writer. An HBO Sports. Um, yeah, that's right. What's the name of that show? Real Sports is it? Real. Yeah. Did they do with it. Brian Gumble. They yeah. do a segment and they interview him about. Oh, that's it. good. So, I didn't realize. Hopefully, they did a good job in it. They do a really bad job usually with MMA, but hopefully, this is better. I'm yeah. sure they were really excited to. To do anything negative on MMA, but this is truly a weird thing. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with the Chech, uh, Chechen people, and then some 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 autocratic families in the UAE as well that are these big benefactors of MMA and grappling and stuff. So it's kind of crazy. But anyway, we'll talk about that more at some point. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I like Frank Mir a lot. He's one of my favorite fighters ever, really, to watch. Um, and if he wants to continue fighting and he's able to now, then I'm happy for him. I hope he gets good matchups and it's not like he's not fighting every 23-year-old, 260-pound kid that's out there. But if he wants to fight and he's healthy, I hope relatively healthy, I hope uh, you know, I hope he has a good time. I- I'd love to see him compete. There's some fun matchups there. There's definitely like a lot of people in his age range there, though. Mitch yeah. is like 39. Right. Roy Nelson, they just signed. Yeah. There's a lot of these names. Do they still have Chicago? They He's fought Chicago I before. I think so. So a bunch of uh, UFC Fedor, fighters, Fedor, Fedor, yeah. But so it's interesting, and there's this is a division with no title. But you know, everybody jokes about this senior um, circuit tour thing, mm-hmm. and I think Vin, uh, Belfort was calling for a legends division or yeah. something at one point. Like, <laughs> Worst it's essentially what it's become. Yeah. Now, I think there's a certain strategy to what Bellator is doing. I think mm-hmm. they get mislabeled as this like senior division, but that's not what they're trying to do. They're they, using the name. Yeah. They're not to excited draw attention about attention to their younger. Yeah. They're not excited fighters. that they're old guys they are excited. They're big names. <laughs> yeah. They're like, well, this guy, people are going to tune in to watch Frank Mir for free. Yeah. Hopefully they check out this guy. We're going to put in the co-main, right. like a Michael Chandler, um, an Emmanuel Sanchez or yeah, somebody, yeah. you know, that we can kind of use his name to buoy these guys. And I, I think there's, you know, if these guys want to keep fighting, then they're and, going to fight somewhere. Right. And you know, Frank Mir is a great fighter for sure. I just, you know, We'll see. So uh, we'll see how you know how much how much, how much uh, reflexive speed he's got left. But I definitely love uh, watching him compete. I'd love to see him do jujitsu. I've interviewed him before. And he said when he retires, he'd love to do like jujitsu submission grappling tournaments only. That's something he can compete at for a long time. You got a lot of former fighters or even current fighters that kind of veered back into that. You got a guy like um, Dean Lister when he retired from MMA went back into submission grappling, which is what gave him his big name in in, in uh, MMA to begin with. And he stayed uh, to a relatively advanced age, stayed really elite. So I'd love to see Frank Mir grapple uh, full-time. But I think he likes to hit people, too, so I don't blame him for wanting to fight on. And I bet they're not paying him a little bit of money either. If you can, if you can do the thing you love for a lot of money, it's hard to say no. The, uh, the interesting thing will be to see if they bring back the heavyweight title. They've been without a heavyweight title for a while now. Yeah, that's and a good point. You, know, you, have, you bring in all these big names from UFC, Roy Nelson, Frank Mir, Matt Mitrione, and then you, of course, bring in Fedor. Uh, I think it's just, you know. Yeah, when you do that. So maybe that brings resolution. Um, as we move on, I did want to mention that Conor McGregor, mm-hmm. in case you're unfamiliar <laughs> with that name, uh, released a comment on it. the State Athletic Commission's uh, decision mm. today that i figured i would read yeah basically just says i am very pleased with the commission's handling of my next bout today fair play was kept all the way through well they're both satisfied this then. was handled very well and very fairly by the nevada state athletic commission i'm very pleased and respect the commission's ruling on this 10 days until fight time this is a man who wants promised to never fight in yeah yeah he's, he's trying to make sure there's a lot of funny business and maybe if he gets if he does the he does the he does the boxing match of his life 
he'll go to a decision and he'd love not to get, you know, tricky business thrown his way in, in that regard. So I guess he's just trying to be act nice and make nice with the commission. And I'm sure he feels happy with it. So that's interesting. Now let's talk about more MMA. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bisping, Georgia St. Pierre, set yeah. to fight Madison Square Garden, presumably the main event. Huge fight, worthy of anchoring a big event there. Definitely. Um, the big tidbit of news this week was that Georgia St. Pierre is contractually stipulated to defend the title if he were to defend Michael Bisping. And he says... Let's please talk about that, yeah. And he says that that defense would be against Robert Whitaker, the interim mm-hmm. title, who will not be Michael Bisping's next opponent in a unification bout. Right. Whole separate topic. Yeah, right, um, right. Michael Bisping on his podcast said that he doesn't think that that stipulation really means anything because Bisping, or not Bisping, St. Pierre could retire right. and essentially only come out of retirement for a certain fight. Um, He's right. That means it's completely unenforceable. He could. There's, there's no way you can m- compel another man to fight another person short of, for a period of time, short of, sort of uh, slavery. The UFC the UFC already has issues, I think, if anyone ever challenges them, uh, with the requirements they put on people in terms of exclusivity because they say these fighters are independent contractors, yet they don't have the freedom that independent contractors usually enjoy. They have types of responsibilities that full employees uh, have placed on them. So you can make an argument for exclusivity. They can say, if you fight anywhere, it's going to be with us. I still think that's shifty ground given that the ufc maintains that these people are independent contractors and they avoid i'm sure a lot of taxes for for that reason but yeah to say what are they gonna say what if he breaks his hip (laughs) he's in a hospital bed oh yeah we're sorry you said you were gonna fight again we're just conscripting you and like this is ancient rome or something now you're a gladiator it's just it's uh, that would be gross if it were enforceable and i can't imagine it, it it is enforceable um, so it's just weird. They have a weird, uh, a weird way of looking at things, a weird possessive chattel way of looking at, at fighters. And, but there's no way this, that would be enforceable. I don't know the details of what they're saying, but maybe they're saying if you fight again, it has to be for the middleweight title. I even, I even think that would be hard to enforce. I, these are independent contractors, according to the UFC. I just don't see how that could happen. They could wield soft power. They can hassle you. They can throw you under the bus the way Dana White does with a lot of fighters, the way he's done with George St. Pierre. They can put some carrots in front of you, but I don't see how they can make it happen. I think, I think Michael Bisping and I just found something to agree on. That's meaningless. The clause it would seem to be. I haven't read it, but it would seem to be. Well, we have Titan FC two eight champion Jose Shorty Torres uh, in the comments. Uh, he says hi. He said predicts Floyd wins by decision, no matter what glove size it is. And about Georgia St. Pierre, he says he will wreck Bisping, and he's saying it'll be a wrestling match for 25 minutes. He also added that the UFC is extremely political and only wants fights for money instead of who's next. Mm-hmm. A very reasonable point. Yeah, it's correct. If you're setting up a champ, if St. Pierre wants to go fight Tyron Woodley at welterweight and it's a champion versus champion fight, I, you'd have to think that they would jump all over that. Yeah. And sorry, Robert Whitaker. You right. Could, there no need, and in this case, no need to create an interim title weight champion while you pursue titles outside of your weight division. Cause there's already else one and he can defend yeah. that. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. And, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with Jose Shorty Torres, uh, he, he's got an interesting, um, situation that we could talk mm. about. He's, uh, five or six and zero in mm. Titan, uh, flyweight champion, bantamweight champion. And, you would think his next shot would be in the UFC, but he hasn't gotten the call yet. You'd imagine it would have to be coming soon. Uh, but well, boy, what's your what's your take on this draw on the feet? And and I'm thinking if I'm remembering correctly from um, watching some uh, 
hit some of his social media that he's um, they want him to end, come in through the UFC through a different way. I don't want to say if I'm wrong and yeah, I'm making yeah. this up um, as opposed to like just getting a bout agreement. And right. fighting. Um, but what, what is your take on this? Well, I think, I think, I think uh, Jose will, will, will get a shot in the UFC as soon as he's healthy. Last time he was here, he was um, nursing a, a pretty banged up hand that he, he hurt beating up on someone. <laughs> so it's about the best injury you can get. Uh, after a win, hurting someone uh, so badly with your fist that it hurts your your bone, and you get the win. No, I think I think I think also we'll get in there. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. You know, we're not talking with him and his manager about the latest developments. I think it all just comes down to timing, Mike. I think you know. I, I would imagine um, it will follow the path that most fighters path to the UFC, that can get to the UFC path follows. We've talked. You know, there's all sorts of people. You can. There's, I remember just following the sport and covering the sport and being in the sport. For so many years, you see you see these types of things. You see people who now have been in the UFC like for like twelve consecutive years or ten consecutive years, um, and they got in just by getting the call. Uh, but they also tried first to get in another way. You got a guy like Clay Guida. Um, Clay Guida was fighting in the UFC. He got a call once they brought back the lightweight division over ten years ago. We uh, got the call. He was a, a, a major uh, a Midwest prospect. He'd fought internationally, fought out West and strike force, beat beat Josh Thompson, um, longtime top five dude. But they first try to get him on the ultimate fighter, I think, or the later try to get him the ultimate fighter after he'd already fought in the UFC. So you never know the call you get. You probably you can get a short notice call to fill in against someone. You can um, you can be asked to go through the contender series, maybe whatever that is. We're gonna try to get a little clarity on that from Mike Santiago today, although won't bug him too much because he's got fight week. I don't want to go too detailed into that. You can have ultimate fighters, so I think it all depends on the timing. But I think, uh, I think you know, the, the, I'm sure that the UFC has already called uh, Shorty. It just depends on the timing when he's healthy and what opportunities around. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this. It's a short notice opponent, or it's this or that, and it's not going to be hey. Hey Shorty, here's three months to prepare for someone. It's not gonna be. They're not gonna treat you like a professional. <laughs> they're gonna treat you like an asset that they can exploit, and, and given their needs at any given moment. That's just what's gonna happen. Uh, they're not gonna say, "Hey, here's a great contract. Here's some. Here's a stipend. Here's some developmental money. Uh, we're gonna give you two months of man's notice and this opponent." Blah blah. No, it'll be something. It'll be something quick. Uh, it'll be something fast, or it'll be something at a, at a weird time. But I'm. He'll get the call, uh, and and he'll he'll he'll. Uh, I'm sure if he's interested, he'll accept that call. It just has to be when he's healthy and when something opens up for him. Yeah, and he's always training, so I think when he yeah. does get the call, it wouldn't be so it wouldn't catch him off guard as much to have to do a fight in short notice. Like he trains with TJ Dillashaw for his mm-hmm. fights mm-hmm. constantly. He's always working as a partner through people's camp. So, um, well, of course, when he's healthy. Right, right, right. No, I, people kind of the most fighters are aware. Most, the only fighters that really don't prepare for that call like prospects that don't prepare for that call and be ready to fight kind of at any moment i mean there are prospects like you know or it's someone that's super established and will has the luxury of having enough money to get out of shape in between camps or something like most other most other guys and girls they know if they're and and the, and the cusp they know that they pretty much have to be ready they know that they're going to get a call to to fly to japan on a 10 days notice and cut 20 pounds and fight someone they know how that comes rosa charles rosa has been on the show he knows how that came for him had to go to europe on short notice to, to fight dennis siever like that's just the way it happens so most people readiness is a is a spectrum right but most of them 
most of these prospects, they know that that's the call they're going to get and the way they're going to get it if they get it. So they have it in their head that they will just need to drop everything if they want to take that. Yeah. the There is another way for prospects to get into the UFC right now, which we haven't really talked about as mm-hmm. much on the show. Um, but it's becoming immensely popular, I feel like. And uh, because one of our guests is on it, we might as well talk about it now. Uh, the Dana White Contender Series. Yeah. I mean, I guess we have talked about it in reference to Snoop. Right, right. But, um, I think people are getting a lot of people are really kind of embracing this in a way that people that feel like they would hope that people would still embrace the ultimate fighter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of interest and hype around this contender series and what's happening. Yeah. What's your, what's your take of it? There is, uh, there is that we're, we're going to see if it's warranted or not. I mean, the fighters are going to make great fights, but the, the, the implicit unspoken promise um, that this is a path towards the UFC is something that if you actually read the fine print, the, the the show and the UFC goes out of its way to say this is not necessarily a path to anything. It's a separate promotion. Some, you, Dana White has the best. We're talking about bad contracts. Dana White has the best contract in the world where he can be a promoter for the UFC and still get his own promoter's license to do something else. It's broadcast and UFC fight pass, but there is no structured, formalized path to the UFC from it. You're not you, If you win there, you're not signed to the UFC necessarily. That's, that's just, right. Only two people get. Yeah, signed. that's just, yeah, that's just not the way it, it necessarily works. You know, they have like what five or six people uh, fights on this this upcoming card. So yeah, if 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 a lot of people if you know don't get signed from this, uh, don't get any contract from this, um, may I don't, I don't know if the excitement will continue because I think it's all largely based on the idea that people are going for a shot at the UFC. And if those shots don't pan out, even if you win, then maybe people will only be as excited as they are to watch any good fight. And they always have good fighters on there. They have really good prospects on there all the time. People that probably should already be in the UFC. Like a guy like Mike Santiago, all his fights, he, he could arguably already gotten a shot a long time ago. So I think it's interesting. I love the fights. I just don't like the uncertainty that th- these guys and gals face. Or now just guys. Have there ever even been any women on this show yet? Hopefully soon. I don't know on this upcoming card if there are, but hopefully at some point. I don't know. No. I haven't really watched it very mm. as closely as other people. I've uh, been busy. <laughs> Summer. Too busy for that. But I'd, Too uh, busy being a newlywed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, amongst other other things, travel things, we were in Montreal this weekend. Ah, very cool. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I, I, it seems like there's a lot of interest and mm-hmm. a lot of hype. The there's they do have the ability to kind of do whatever they want in that space. But mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. It's like an, in, you get like the ultimate fighter fight feel mm-hmm. with like, cause they're in the gym and it's like small yeah. and it's like, and then each person competing has like their group of supporters. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really kind of compelling from what I've, uh, from oh, what I've seen. It's good TV. I um, like it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, they're trying new things and I guess that's something to be happy about. Yeah. I, I don't, I like the creative part of it. That's for sure. Should we get my phone? I don't know what time it is. I like the uh, I like the creative part of it. Um, that's for sure. I think it's just like a oh yeah a weird situation where we don't know what happens with the folks there. But yeah, no, I, I love the concept. I never I, I always like watching prospects. That's a that's a tradition that MMA f- fans. Thank you, sir. Need to um, need, to, need to support more. your local MMA. Show. Oh, that's for sure. I think that's like the the best way for USC fans. Oh, that's or for MMA sure. MMA fans in general to do it. Um, I know. I haven't gotten to go to as many in the Chicago areas I wanted to. Mm-hmm. The XFO is a big one here. Who's your Fight Club? Um, those are both interesting. But you know, the grappling tournament you went to, I think, was really fascinating. The production was higher than I think people expect. 
And that was a, that's a national see. promotion. They tour every week they're in a different city. Fight to win is kind of it's kind of crazy in that regard. It's like but you're in the WWE. The other thing that like if you're an MMA fan, like you go like at that fight in particular, you have like Mike Biggie Rhodes walking around, who's a Bellator fighter. You have CM Punk walking competed around. Competed on have, Biggie was a on the lot card. of Rufus Sport. Yeah. yeah, he competed on the a lot of the fighters who competed on the card mm-hmm. were walking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. There's just a, an accessibility there that I yeah. think there isn't. A, a UFC uh, former, a retired former UFC fighter who headlined uh, the card, Jeff Curran. Like it's, yep. it's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Let's see. All right, uh, let's give Sanisa a call if you're ready, Mike. It's about that time. She just texted us. So we just got to put the headphones in and lock in. What's that? Got to put the headphones on and lock in. This is so. Did I you am, turn them on? This is close to an astronaut has ever been. Is it on? Oh, as close to an astronaut as you've ever been. <laughs> There's a switch on these fancy guy uh, headphones. That For those of you, you listening who aren't watching, and by the way, you can watch on the Sports Illustrated yep. MMA Facebook page every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central. We, uh, we've changed our setup. We used to sit at a desk. We, we decided to make it more of a lounge feel, which, by the way, when we get some Chicago fighters in, uh, well, we can bust out the couch on the side for yeah. us, and then they can be in the hot seat. Absolutely. Uh, so we still have more changes to make, but or we uh, can sit on the couch and they can lay across our made, lap. Yeah, or, you know something cool. We made it very lounge. <laughs> we, we got more comfortable chairs, basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so we're about to call Sinessa Estrada. She's a pro boxer. She just was named um, Boxer of the Month by Ring Magazine. She's a former Prospect of the Year. In 2015 for Ring Magazine. She's one of the top prospects in all the boxing. She fought twice this summer. Hopefully fighting again September 9th. And um, we're excited to have her on. I don't think we've had her on here before. But I, I get confused because I've interviewed her before and like done, done some video shoots. She's pretty great. So you know when you're like ring. almost 60 episodes in or it's, over 60 episodes in, you, like, you get confused. It's hard to keep track. Living legends, you know. It's tough. All right, let's see. I'll get her a ring now. I stepped away. Hello. Sanisa, this is Elias. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a long time since I've chatted with you, man, and and, uh, you've also won a bunch of fights since uh, last personally got to talk with you. Congratulations on that. Congratulations on that. being named Fighter of the Month recently at Ring Magazine. You've you've been on a read them before. In 2015, you were the Prospect of the Year. How what yeah. do the, what do these accolades? What do they mean to you? Is it do you do you take away something from them? Do you try to ignore them? And you know, like what does it do for you when when you get this type of uh, 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 well warranted, well deserved attention? Um, well, it just definitely motivates me. I mean, being Prospect of the Year was was great, and I just wanted to continue to improve and continue to um, put on great fights and being named fighter of the month was, was great. I fought uh, in June. I was back from a nine month layoff and I won with a 30 second knockout of the first round. And then I fought about three weeks later in July and won a six round unanimous decision. And now I'm back in the ring September 9th on the Chocolate People undercard. Um, so 
yeah, it just definitely motivates me to just stay in the gym and to keep busy and uh, keep putting on great fights. So that way, um, one day uh, soon, I'll be fighter of the year for a green magazine. Do you know who you're That's fighting? Definitely one of my goals. Nah, then you're on pace to hit it. Do you know who you're fighting yet for September 9th, or are you just starting the camp and, uh, and waiting? I'm just waiting. I should know very soon. Cool. You know, I just from past conversations and you know over, over the last couple of years, um, I I know that 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 happens a lot, right? Like you get the date and you commit to it, and you start training, but you don't yet know who you're going to be fighting. You got to find your opponent, and I, and we we've spoken a lot, of, you know, over over time about how it can be really challenging sometimes to get an opponent uh, for you for for female fighters a lot of times in particular. How do you approach your training um, when you know that fights can be hard? To come by, someone might drop out, or you have to start training before you know who you're going to be fighting in particular. Is it is it more about focusing on on yourself and uh, rather than like on, on the traits or tendencies of a particular opponent at that point? Yeah, it's definitely just focusing on myself and making sure that I'm prepared mentally and physically, and just staying in the gym. Uh, because it happens all the time for men it happens with men all the time you know opponents change or last minute you find out who you're fighting but for women it's even worse because there's not too many options um so what i do is i'm i stay in the gym every day even when my nine month layoff i was in the gym um even though i didn't have any fights coming up i was still going to the gym at least four times a week uh just because there's so many things to work on and there's so many things that i always want to improve on because that's just I'm just so competitive and I just want to be the best. So I always stay in the gym and, uh, yeah, I get frustrating and difficult at times because, uh, opponents change. And I would say probably eight out of my 10 fights, I've had to fight bigger opponents at heavier weight classes. And that's because there was no other options or it was last minute. And of course I want to fight. So in order to, I don't want to pass up the good opportunities, such as fighting on, um, big undercards. And, uh, so I would just take fights, uh, even if it wasn't an opponent who I wanted at the time, I had to do it anyway because it was a great opportunity and I knew I would win, um, which is why you should always stay physically prepared uh, in case anything happens like that. Mike Dice here. Hey, some, what you're talking about is something I think a, a lot of uh, female boxers in the past have mentioned. Holly Holm comes to mind and, and why they eventually go to MMA. Is that something that's ever crossed your mind or something that you consider when you see how, I don't want to say easier, but it seems uh, women's MMA is better set up? Um, it's, it's crossed my mind. It has. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. It's uh, definitely more exposure in MMA right now, but women's boxing has come a long way, and there's actually um, promoter, top promoters who are now signing females and top promoters who are putting – women on such as myself on big undercards and uh it's 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 come a long way and it's getting very popular and doors are starting to open and i feel like there's just so much that i want to accomplish in boxing and i want to accomplish that first in boxing then maybe think about going to anime and uh see what they're doing so this shouldn't come as any surprise because uh, of your skill level and and your trajectory and, and what you've done so far but you know, we were hearing uh, some rumors that you're gunning for the the longtime uh, champion division, WBA champ, and um, also one of the top pound for pound uh, boxers in the world, Jessica Bop. Is that a fight that you're you you feel like, hey, if if you know if and whenever it gets offered, I'm I'm down for it? Is it something that's in your you know in in your mind for the the kind of like 
a middle road uh, a little bit off into the future um, and and you know either way why do you like that fight in particular if you do yeah it's definitely in my mind something I want to do maybe in a few fights from now and that's the fight that I want because she's the longest reigning champion at my weight class so if I'm going to fight for a title and take someone's title I want it to be somebody who is recognized and somebody who's had the title for so long and nobody has been able to take it so I want to be the one to do it and uh, I just want it to be on the right the right stage and uh, for the right money of course and I want people to see it I want it to be televised I don't want to fight for a title like a lot of uh, female fighters have to do where nobody knows that they're even fighting for a title nobody sees it um, I, I want to change the sport in that way to where when I fight for a title uh, people you know are able to see the fight and the world able to see it because we both deserve now, Mike touched on this earlier with you, and he was he was asking about MMA. Now, we know that you you've you've worked with MMA fighters uh, and and helped them out with sparring and and things like that over the past couple of years. We were earlier in the episode talking about this Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather boxing match that's happening. So, just having an expert on like yourself, kind of curious. I mean, how out of your realm, uh, or not out? How out of their realm do you think? Uh, Sinisa, like MMA fighters are in a boxing match and how out of their realm would would a boxer just without like extra training and years of training would they be uh, just in an MMA fight uh, with, with uh, an experienced MMA fighter? Um, yeah, I think it's just from experience and sparring a lot of MMA fighters I think uh, when they get in there and there's of course in MMA there's more options to win and boxing is just using your hands so, uh, you know, you're, you're very limited. And I don't think MMA fighters or McGregor really realize that until they step into the ring and they're like, man, you know, the only options that I have are, are my right hand and my left hand. They can't kick, can't take you to the ground. And um, I think, uh, I think May- I'm think i a fan of both of them, but I think Mayweather's going to definitely win. And uh, I think that's because... McGregor's going to have limited options, so it's going to be a lot of strain on his brain, I think, mentally, mm. and that's going to wear him down physically throughout the round. And uh, it might go, I think it might go the distance, and if there's a stoppage, I think that Floyd will stop him in a later round because, like I said, McGregor will will wear, wear, wear down little by little as the rounds go on, uh, just from missing punches, so he's not going to be used to that, and just, um, just mentally, I think it'll be a lot of just, strain on, on, on his brain and just wear him down. That's super interesting. Uh, um, talking about being mentally exhausted. It, do you both fighters, both camps are promising like this action packed uh, fight. Now McGregor obviously is known for uh, TKOs and knockouts and stuff like that in, in MMA. Um, I, we've talked about this on the show before, Sinise, and I, I'm of the opinion that if Conor McGregor's smart, he's going to try to fight the most boring fight of his life because he wants to make it the distance and that'll look good and he's fighting a counterfighter conservative especially at this point in his career conservative counterfighter in uh in in floyd mayweather who has low punch output um do you do you think that there's any chance that this is actually like some rock'em sock'em fight or do you think do you imagine both men are going to be pretty pretty cautious out there you know i i think they will be pretty cautious and i think uh McGregor is going to go in there very cautious. Um, he might try to be a little more active in the beginning round just because, you know, he's not tired and he feels like he has the conditioning. But I think little by little, um, he'll start to get pop shot by Mayweather and it'll make him 
more cautious and he'll back up a little more, which would be better for Mayweather. Um, but yeah, I think I, I don't see like an action-packed fight either. The, the only thing that I can think of, and we've also talked about in the show too, that might work against Floyd Mayweather in this fight, and would love your take on it, is if Floyd at Jr. at his age and being out of the ring for so for so long in this past most recent retirement is just you know gets gets a, old enough where his reflexes have slowed down enough where he gets caught by something he wouldn't ordinarily have been caught by, or if he's really really rusty or something to that effect and mcgregor is just a more active guy right now obviously you're you're a super young fighter yourself so you don't know what it's like to to grow old yet uh but you've you've dealt with uh longer periods of time between fights like we've we've talked about um then you wanted to like this before this summer was nine months i mean how 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 is there any chance that that's going to be a factor against floyd just the inactivity in your mind based on uh, on your experiences with what that does to you yeah, that can definitely be um, a factor because uh, he is a lot older now and he's been off for a while, so um, I'm sure there's some ring rust that he's definitely going to feel. Um, but like I said, his experience will probably take over, and just because he's been doing this for all of his life, uh, I think it'll make it look a little easier, mm-hmm. even though um, he'll be a little, uh, little rusty in there. And uh, great, I saw the... Uh, McGregor videos by uh, Paulie. Yeah, what do you make and, of that? The edited video that's put well, out there. I mean, well, we don't we don't know what the rest of the rounds look like. Yeah. Maybe Paulie was tagging him a bit, but from the video that I did see and the video that's out there, um, Paulie is he's he's out of shape. I mean, he's right. he's a great commentator. He's commentating for Showtime, and I'm sure he's not in the gym training because just from the looks of his body, physically, he didn't look like he was in shape at all. Mm-hmm. So no matter how Paulie's a very talented boxer, but no matter how talented you are, if you're not in shape, you're going to get tagged with punches. Um, so, but that that doesn't have me fooled to as, mm. as to how McGregor is going to do just because he was landing those punches against Paulie. I mean, Paulie was, was totally out of shape. Um, so, um, yeah, Mayweather's going to go in there in shape and 100% ready. Now, you said you saw the video of the, the poly sparring thing. Did you watch any of McGregor's open workout? And as a boxer, if you did, what do you make of uh, his striking abilities that he showed off? <laughs> um, a lot of moving around, a lot of dancing around. I'm sure he'll do that in the ring just to entertain people. Uh, but I don't think that's going to get him to land the punches that he needs to land. You're not buying and, into uh, the angles? <laughs> no, it's it's more difficult than I'm sure it's more difficult. Well, it is more difficult than uh, <laughs> thinks that it is because <laughs> you can got to You might be able to, you know, give angles and stuff, but if you're not throwing any punches off of that, then you're not gonna you're not gonna score any points. And Floyd uh, has great timing, so I'm sure he's gonna watch his little movements and just mm. counter. And and uh, ne- uh, McGregor has never been hit consistently with punches. And um, in boxing, it's all about consistency and mm. all about being accurate and, and having timing. And, um, you know, we haven't seen that from McGregor yet, so we'll see. It should be interesting. Well, Sinisa, we want to thank you for your time. We'll let you go now, but when that opponent gets announced, we're going to bug you. I'd love to have you on again before you fight once again uh, September 9th. Congrats on your success already uh, this summer. We know you're going to continue doing well. Where can folks uh, follow you and, and your training and your career more on on, uh, on uh, social media? Uh, 
um, you can follow me on social media on Instagram at Sanisa underscore Superbad or Twitter Sanisa underscore Superbad or like my Facebook fan page Sanisa Estrada. Awesome. Well, Ms. Estrada, thank right. you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate your time and your, your expertise. Uh, thanks for chopping it up. Best of luck. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the next time. Absolutely. Thanks. Take thank care. Thank you. Bye. You too. That was fun. I, lo- I, lo- I love having the folks break down. This is like, there's two, there's two ways that this fight is interesting to me. Mayweather, McGregor, only two ways. One's technical because anything's interesting technically if you look at it, right? Um, so I love having actual experts break it down like she did. And the other stuff is the, the regulatory disaster that this fight is, which uh, we've talked about a little bit. But I love on the positive side, when I'm not saying how, what, a, what a bad, dumb fight this is, it's basically, let's say, hey, let's look at this fight. Let's look at the, let, let's evaluate. We're getting a lot of stream of promotion of stuff, material being leaked, comments being made. All right, here in extra rounds, we get experts, they look at it uh, and break it down dispassionately from an actual informed way. And that's, that's fun for me. So I, I, we'll talk about this fight all the time, and we do. But we're, we try to do it from like a little bit of a more uh, informed perspective. So that was really cool for her to talk in addition to herself, about herself, to talk about these, this other fight. Because I know everyone's getting, is getting questions about this fight, and I'm sure they're all getting sick of it because they all have their own lives. So that was nice of her to chat. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine everybody in combat sports is getting sick of uh, being asked about it. But, but they do present unique uh, analysis. You know, like, we can sit here and offer our analysis, but, you know, a professional boxer, yeah. uh, Way more. I think, offers insight that we could never provide. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but um, only on certain things. That's right. We're, we we uh, only on certain things. <laughs> only on fight things. <laughs> when it comes to tater tots, I got them. I got I got that top. Don't even get me started on tater tots. <laughs> so you want to get the second Mike on the show today? He says he's ready. He just Let's welcome us. Mike to the Mike Show. <laughs> Let's go. Give him a ring now. We're calling Mike Santiago, who's got a fight on Tuesday on um, the Tuesday Night Contender Series. Dana 22nd. White's, yeah, that's right. August 22nd. Thanks. On, on UFC Fight Pass. He's a Chicago-area fighter out of Team Top Notch. and our Fighting teammate, Mark Chirico. That's right. Who I don't know too much about. I'm going to ask. we, we got to ask him how much he knows about him. Maybe you should. He's a teammate of uh, Mike Santiago is of Ricardo Lamas, who recently fought and won. All right. Here we go. Let's see if he picks up. Mike, this is Elias. You're on the Extra Rounds podcast. I'm here with uh, my uh, my co-host, this is the the first Mike on the show. We're just joking. We're about to have the second Mike on the show, Mike Dice. So thanks for being on, brother. Man, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely, man. So we were just chatting. We were talking about it earlier. You've got your next fight, August 22nd, on Dana White's Tuesday Night Fight Contender Series on UFC Fight Pass. When I met you, which is just earlier this summer, we met for the first time. I'd seen you around in fights. Obviously, you've got a, you've got yeah. even though you're a young man, you have a long uh, and a really established career. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you, you were talking about looking for another fight. You hadn't fought and uh, since I think June of 2016. You're on an eight fight win streak. Uh, how how frustrating was that for you to go so long without a fight? And and how. How how did it feel to finally get not just a fight, but something that's going to be on Fight Pass, something that's getting a lot of attention, like this Contender Series? Right, man. Um, you know, I like to stay active. You can look at you can look at my uh, my record and my resume, and you know, I, I don't like to take too much time in between fights. You know, I, I kind of get like a 
anxious feeling. I start to get anxiety if I don't do something like uh, outside the gym, you know, like whether it is, uh, you know, an MMA fight or, you know, I've done pro boxing and pro mm -hmm. kickboxing or jujitsu tournaments, you know, so uh, I like to stay as active as, as possible. And when I start to get that, that little itch, that anxiety feeling about, you know, not being able to compete when I want to, uh, you know, I, I let uh, my trainer Mac, I let him, I let him hear it, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And he's just like, settle down, bro. Settle down, you know, <laughs> chill out. You're, you're good. You're, uh, we'll, we got something. Just wait it out. You know, something big will come. And then uh, I actually had a fight scheduled for Hoosier Fight Club to mm. defend my uh, lightweight title uh, in September. And then literally like a day or two later, I get the call for this contender series. Mm. And I was like, oh, I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, so I'm not going to fight that HFC fight <laughs> anymore. How did they uh, take so that? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he's been telling me since, cause I, I am a two division champion for them. I was a 145 uh, champion first, and then I wanted to wait a little bit, you know, for maybe an, a big call. And I got that anxious feeling. I was like, you know what? Let's just schedule me something, and uh, get me right back in there, you know, cause I've been coming out of my last about ten fights uh, scratch free, you know, mm. so. I can get right back into training, you know, no time off, you know, right back into the gym, right back into the swing of things. And uh, when I got that call, like, well, only we knew about it, or we thought we were the only ones who knew about mm -hmm. it. They're like, don't announce it yet. Uh, we'll announce it when it's official and contracts are signed. And the promoter actually texted uh, Mac and was like, what? He got the call? What? Hmm. And we were like, we were like, how the heck does this guy already know? Like, we just found out. <laughs> so he's like, oh, well, we're, we're excited. You know, um, he put a squash on, on the contract for the fight, found another guy uh, to fight for the uh, lightweight title for that main event card. And um, him, uh, Paul and Danielle Vale, they're actually coming out there to uh, to watch that contender fight. They're like, you know, we, we want to, you know, support our champion. So, so that's pretty cool then. That is cool. It, it, from the outside looking in, uh, Mike, it's kind of confusing, or I'll just speak for myself, it's kind of confusing for me to know as of now like what the situation is with the Contender Series. Like It's separate from the UFC. It's obviously being broadcast by the UFC. It has the UFC's president's name on it. Like you just mentioned, like, oh, he got the call. Is that how it feels right now, the yeah. call? is How has it been explained to you in terms of what yeah. the opportunity is? Yeah, for me, for me, yeah, this is this is it, really. Um, this basically fight is is basically the biggest job interview of my life, mm. you know. So I gotta go out there and I just have to impress them, you know. Uh, I know they see my record. I know they see the guys that I've been facing my, you know, my entire career, not just these last ten, uh, these last ten in a row. And uh, I was out there with with Lamas, his last fight in Anaheim, and uh, they finally got to put a, a a face to the name, you know. So I know they know who I am now. And, you know, it, it's, it's a great feeling uh, to be in front of them because, you know, you got all the UFC owners, you got the matchmakers, you got everyone there that is there to make the decision whether they want to sign you to the UFC or not. Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, so I really, uh, I'm really planning to show up for that fight, I'll tell you that. Now, I don't know exactly when you when you guys got the the word like you said you you weren't able to announce it right away, but it's a short. It's it's not like a long camp. You don't have like some GSP 3-month camp or something. It, and and it, within in the middle of that really really short camp, um you also had to go out to Vegas to do promotional stuff. 
What what was that experience like? Was it disruptive to your schedule, or was it was it was it a good, interesting, and worthwhile experience for you to to do that? Well, yeah, um, I think it was about four four or five weeks. Mm. I, I got the call okay. from from next week, uh, but I was already training hard. You know, we had guys with fights coming up, so I'm always in the gym. You know, training hard. It might not be for a fight, but I knew that. Either I was going to have a fight scheduled, just a, a random fight, or I was going to get this call very soon. I, I like I, I felt it. I can mm. feel it, you know. So I'm, I was in the gym, training hard, grinding my days out, and uh, yeah, I had to go to Vegas do the promo stuff, and we actually got to go to the um, UFC Performance Institute. Mm. That was amazing. That place is, base. It's a playground for all of us fighters. <laughs> I mean, they literally have everything, everything. It's it's just a giant gym, giant gym, like two stories. You got your strength conditioning, like it's a the whole bottom level strength conditioning. You have a cafeteria, wow. you got a locker room. Yeah, you got everything, but it's a it's huge place, man. They got all their production crews, all the UFC employees are are based out of there. And uh, to go through that whole process was it was amazing, man. You know, it's just to, it opens my eyes to show me what's to come, you know. I'm going to ask you, we were looking, we talked about it, both of us, all of us here have talked a little bit already in passing about this current really long and impressive win streak you're on. Now, sometimes, you know, things just, they go a certain way whenever any type of real control, even even if we want to, even if we do all we can to prepare for a competition or a fight. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there's turning points in a life or in a career, whether it's a mindset or uh, you know, breakthrough with technique or any number of stuff. It, does this win streak in your mind, Mike, when you think about it, does it, is it the result of some type of corner that you turned, that you feel you turned um, in your progress in, in any way? Um, it, like, do you feel like you're a much improved uh, compared to maybe before 2014 when this current streak started? Absolutely, man. You know, uh, before this whole streak started, I had like a, uh, Mac, he would call it the three fight curse. Hmm. He's like, bro, it's the third, it's the third fight, you know. Like I'd win two, and then my third one, uh, something would always happen, something would go wrong. But that would always be in my head, so I would constantly think about that and think about that, like, oh, it's the third fight, uh, damn, you know. But at you know, at the end of the day, like that's just me trying to like beat myself up about hmm. that, like. I was like, I know there ain't no damn curse, <laughs> you know. Like this, this is this is just a a prefabricated thought that's in my head about this. And so, as soon as I threw that out the window, and I really started to uh, change my routine, you know, because all my losses have um, in earlier in my career were all submission. You know, I wasn't putting the time in to my ground game and my grappling, uh, strictly grappling, not just uh, mm. grappling from MMA. You know, so. I found uh, Alliance Jiu-Jitsu under Jason Sullins out in Schaumburg. Yeah, yeah, great team. Yeah, great team, and I love it. And he fits my style so well, and he's got so many high-level guys over there um, that have helped me out. And uh, that was definitely one of the turning points. But, uh, you know, just just coming to – I'm 28. I just turned 28 um, the end of July. And, you know, I'm I'm coming into my physical – prime of of my life right now and not just physical but mental as well you know i'm starting to to believe in myself how 
I would just say I did, you know, back in the day before 2014. Like I'd I'd talk a big game, talk a big game, and then something would happen, and I'd have a double downfall. I'd you know lose a couple fights or something. But now that I know that I'm, I work harder than anybody, you know, and I work just as hard as these champions in the UFC, you know. That's why I know I can hang with these guys. I'm not just a contender, you know. In my head, I know for a fact that I can hang with the best guys in the world. You know, so for me to think that way and for me to believe it and see it happening uh, through these last 10 fights, it's just it's just going to keep going and I'm not going to stop. And it's going to be really hard for people who step across from me in that cage. And I don't care. I don't really care who it is. You know, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat me right now. Now, you fought in multiple promotions and, you know, you're. You have a lot of experience fighting under different banners. Does this experience kind of give you um, an edge over your opponent who's mainly fought only in one promotion in Pittsburgh? Yeah, um, I think so. Uh, because, you know, I've, like you said, I've fought everywhere. You know, um, I fought in big promotions, uh, uh, RFA, uh, Ring of Combat, um, this now Hoosier Fight Club. Uh, you know, every, everything is coming up, you know. I don't like to stay around the local area because then you're really not getting noticed unless it's a smaller town. Like, you know, Chicago is huge. Like, Chicago's MMA base is enormous right now, you know, and, and it's blowing up. But there's not too many guys from Chicago who are in the UFC. Mm. And if they do come out of Chicago, they go somewhere else. You mm. know, uh, Clay Guida, we got Bilal, um, a couple uh couple other guys and like they just they don't want to have their home base still be here like i'm not going anywhere i've been telling everyone like what i'm doing now is is working obviously right that's right so right you know i i don't think that i have to change anything you know maybe just try my best to train a little harder or you know get a a couple more high level guys in Mm -hmm. my gym which when i get this ufc contract I know that our gym is going to blow up. Our, everyone's going to know who top notch is. You know, we got a, We have a great local circuit, you know, and we always travel. We're Ohio, Tennessee. We've been to Puerto Rico, New Jersey, Las Vegas. We, our team has been everywhere, you know. So I think it's very important for uh, these professional guys to really get out of their element, you know. Get out of your comfort zone. Uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Do you think you – know, Go ahead. Because, uh, you know, it's – and that's what it is. Like if you – I've been to the East Coast so much for uh, Ring of Combat, and I was – at first I was like their feeder. You know, I was like, yo, mm-hmm. this kid's tough. Um, he's got an okay record, and we're going to bring him in for you to beat. That That's pretty much what they were doing to me for – I don't even know how many fights. Mm-hmm. And then I turned that corner that we talked about, and then I won. And then they started giving me their hometown guys. Like I was getting booed. Like <laughs> they'd say the other, they, yeah, they'd say the other guy's name, and this whole place would just erupt. And I'd be like, "Oh my god, are you kidding <laughs> me? Like, are you serious?" And then they'd say my name, and they'd be like, "Like cricket, cricket, cricket." But but that at first it would bother me. But then even when I was when I won that uh, Ring of Combat Championship, they would say that hometown guy's name. Place would erupt. They would say my name, being the champion. It'd be quiet, but I was like, all right, hey, it's all right. I'm a, cha- I'm a champion for a reason. I'm about to show these guys. And by the end of the fights, you know, everyone's like, yeah, Sante, Sante, yeah, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago. You know, so 
So that's great, man. Do you think that's all Chicago's waiting for is that one gym to kind of take uh, claim to being on the level of a you know American top team or Team Alpha Male or Jackson Wink or Rufus Sport even? Yeah, yeah. You know, you got you got all those gyms that you just named. They have so many guys in the UFC. It's because they're big and they're they have uh, uh, quote unquote everything that you need there at the gym. You know, uh, but. I have everything that I need at top notch. We might not be the biggest gym, you know, but as but we produce quality. We got quality trainers. We got quality guys. These up and comers that we got coming up under me and uh, Lamas are are killers, man. Mm-hmm. You know, they got solid records. They've already fought. You know, I got a couple guys who already fought for Bellator, um, CES out on the East Coast, uh, Ring of Combat. You know, still the high level shows, being so young in their career, you know. So once I get this, uh, once I get this going for this UFC, man, I'm gonna, I might not move top notch, but I think we'll we'll expand a little bit, you know, make the gym just a little bit bigger, uh, so we can actually house more, more high level guys mm-hmm. that want to come in and train with us, you know. But you know, we're we we come from humble humble beginnings, man, over there at top notch. So, you know, yeah, we might not have the biggest gym, like I said, but you know, we work hard with what we have there. And our trainers are great. Mac, the owner and head trainer at Top Notch. Um, and then I go for my jiu-jitsu with Jason, like I said. Our boxing coach is great. We have a great boxing coach in Ricardo Luna. So, you know, yeah, these, these other big gyms, like, yeah, they you know, they might have all the, all the quality guys, but, you know, that's all right. That's fine with me. I just want to, you know, show that just because I do come from not that big name of a gym yet, that we can still we can still hang with the best in the world, man. We can't wait to see you show that again, brother. Mike, we'll let you go now, but we got Mike Santiago. He's fighting August twenty second next. It's been way too long since he's been in the ring. He's taking his his really uh, impressive win streak to the UFC Fight Pass. Dana White's Tuesday night contender series. Mike, we're looking forward to talking with you again after the fight, brother. Best of luck. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Man, what a what a lot of what a lot of uh, weight to put on your shoulders, man. It's your biggest opportunity, and he's thinking about lifting his team's uh, you know profile up, his team's identity up as well. Like I'm gonna I want to make it bigger, everything to like sounding even like physically the location bigger and like do things. I mean that's that says a lot about the type of uh, type of fighter he is. He's trained with this team his whole career. He's very loyal to them. And now on the eve of his biggest opportunity, like he called it the biggest job interview of his life, he's still thinking about his team and lifting them up and getting them credit. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. You know, he talks about Chicago MMA and people leaving a lot. And I think that's really an interesting point. You, you know, so many of the big MMA gyms aren't necessarily in big cities. Mm-hmm. You know, Albuquerque, mm-hmm. um, Sacramento's decent sized city but it's not a chicago or new york right, LA. Right. there's a lot of gyms with a lot of notable fighters in southern california um, but it's kind of been interesting to see that chicago doesn't have more of a stake in that kind of national claim you know wrestling is such a big thing in the midwest mm-hmm. that you think there'd be a bigger presence and he mentioned a lot of fighters leaving and there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of ufc fighters that are based in chicago or are from chicago uh jose shorty torres we talked about curtis blades uh, UFC heavyweight, um, yeah, your Rodriguez trains in Chicago. Uh, you were Mike Biggie Rhodes is right. a guy in the in nearby um, 
Clay Guida, Ricardo Lamas, mm-hmm. people like this. You know, so it's it'd be inter- it's interesting to see like, you know, he's you talk about him putting all this weight on his shoulder, but it's interesting to see if he can do if he can be part of that catalyst to to kind of make Chicago more of a stable for MMA. Yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a lot to take on, and it's interesting because I mean, so many elite fighters come from the area and came Will up Brooks. in the area. Will Brooks was yeah at MTC for a lot of years, and he went down. I mean, I think you know a lot. There's a lot of moving pieces. The talent is here. I think a lot of the teaching is here where people are getting learning to become great fighters. But then there's not a lot of organization and there's not a lot of size. Uh, so, cause one of the biggest things that fighters always want, what they makes them most nervous or, uh, is not having enough bodies at, at a certain level. And they, and they get worried about not having enough people in their division at an elite level. Like how can I compete? If I'm competing against someone who's from American top team who has 20 people in Bellator UFC in their weight division every day to work with. How can I compete with that? So that's kind of tough. Um, it's kind of tough. I think physical size in terms of gyms in Chicago have uh, a lot of times been limited. It's expensive to be here. Some suburban places have had it. Uh, but there's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, listen, New York. There's a lot of New gyms. York and Jersey and, and L.A. are huge cities, and they have, you know, their epicenters. But other than that, you're right. It's like places with particular histories. Albuquerque has been a, a fight town forever. I don't exactly know why, but it has been, right? Or a little place like Coconut Creek, like. It, you're right. It's it doesn't. It's not just because you have the talent pool. Because those places that are out of, out of the way, they recruit from everywhere else. If they've got right. that, they've got that organization. So it, it's interesting to see, though. You know, and as we sit here, we keep thinking about more Chicago-based fighter Felice Herrig, oh, yeah. Currens. Yeah. You know. And she still trains in the area, right? Yeah, out in uh, Crystal Lake, the suburbs, like you you mentioned. But Miguel it, Torres it, is a world champion out of here. You know, he never moved out until after he was world champion. So. But it, there's just not like there's not huge squads. There's great elite fighters. There's just not huge squads with like there's no one in Chicago area with twenty so people many on gyms. the roster. There are yeah, there are a lot of gyms. And there's a lot of gyms everywhere. But there's the only there's been a few places that like, I mean even you know you know we had uh, we had Kaylin Curran on, and I don't know, it's kind of slipped why we didn't talk about it. She was training out of Southern California. She talked to us about moving from Hawaii to Orange County, and she said something interesting. I don't know if you if, if people even caught it. She said it's hard. She talked about Rain Training Center, Mark Munoz's gym, when that when he closed that up and having to find some place, ending up at Ruka, and I'm sure she trains a lot of different places. She said it's hard. There's not a – I think I'm pretty closely quoting this, if it's a paraphrase. Like it's hard to find MMA gyms here. She's saying that about Orange County. She's saying that between L.A. and San Diego, it's hard to find MMA gyms. You and I and the rest of the world talk about that as epicenter. But even there, there's few one-stop shop huge places. Black House. Right. Black House is 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 a is a small private gym with elite people, and they go and they'll they'll work at Sykes's, um, Muay Thai, or Eddie uh, Eddie Bravo's Tenth Planet, like Alan Joban does, and they'll you know or uh, like Kevin Casey goes and teaches and, and trains with Henry Aikens for jiu-jitsu. Like they still piece things together. It's kind of crazy. There's there's really only a few places that are large enough to be one-stop shops if you think about it in the world. Chicago isn't doesn't doesn't have any one of them right now. There's American Top Team. There's Jackson Wink. Hansel Gracie, um, you know, huge academy, uh, I, I guess, in, in, in New York. Uh, Montreal has TriStar. But you're right, it's, Chicago's not one of them yet. It's going to take a lot of things. It's going to take stars, but we've had stars. It's going to take stars staying there, like Mike, like Santi was kind of saying, sticking around to, to build it, to grow. Like, this is get a bigger facility. Let's, I'm going to be here so people want to train with me so they can train with a UFC fighter. Like, it's going to take a lot of that. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do when when Muscle Farm is giving you a salary just to like train in Colorado to stay. You know, like it's it's tough to it's tough to build. It takes a lot of, a lot of things. It's fascinating, though. Maybe Muscle Farm will show some love to Chicago. 
Yeah, no, that would that would be great. That'd be great. Well, we'll take their money at Foundation MMA. <laughs> they could come in. Well, before we wrap up, uh, is there anything coming from Flow Combat that everybody should check out from you? Yeah, you know, we're uh, I've got uh, I've got this forthcoming at least in the next week uh, a piece with an uh, not yet announced striking expert in our series there, Flow Combat, breaking down uh, the 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 Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor boxing match. And uh, I've got uh, a, a kind of a longer report that I'm working on at MixedMartialArts.com about, about the regulation um, of this fight as well. I think there's some fascinating things that I've alluded to on the show um, with, the rule, the, with, with, with state code and federal law possibly being trampled on here with this fight even existing uh, as it pertains to the role of manager and the role of promoter and how they're not supposed to to coexist under federal law in boxing and, and even under MMA in uh, local Nevada code. So we've got some stuff coming there and some other, uh, other surprises. And we're hoping Mike and I will hoping to hopefully soon announce a, uh, a, a, a fun, uh, in studio guest coming up soon. Um, We'll talk to you guys about that later. We're working on that. But, yeah, that's it, man. How about you at uh, Fansided? We got the awesome breakdown coming down for the fight. Just the preview yeah. that, we, that we kind of already teased. We have a, uh, a really cool um, a beginner's guide to hot takes uh, that's for fun. Mayweather versus McGregor. <laughs> so if you're, uh, if you're wanting to get in and be able to spout off some talking points in real nice. while, some people up at the sports bar when you're watching the fight, <laughs> we got you covered. That's um, awesome. And uh, and Jose Youngs has been working on this uh, for a long time. This timeline, basically, since all this Mayweather McGregor stuff, he's been chronicling like everything that's happened uh, in that's the cool. timeline. So if you haven't been paying attention and you want to, you can catch up real fast before you rile everybody up. On the <laughs> um, but as always, thank you for tuning in and watching uh, on the Sports Illustrated MMA Facebook page. And if you're listening on the podcast, and if you're watching and you want to listen later on the podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blog Talk, anywhere that you can find the podcast. We also upload the videos of the interviews to YouTube if you want to check those out too. Um, you can find us anywhere just about. So thank you everyone for tuning in. We will see you next week for Mayweather, McGregor. Oh my God, I can't believe it's here. <laughs> Finally, we can put this in the rearview mirror. So thank you everyone. We'll see you next week.